the hunters. Tell all the hunters. Lay down their guns. Lay down their guns. Tell them that the tiger needs a little bit of love. A little bit of love, sweetie. A little more. Let run the jungle. Let them run the jungle or... Let them roam their land. A little... A little contradictory, Joe. I was going to say, or the small zoos. <laughs> um, all right. My name is Todd Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing. Wow. I don't even know where to begin. Why did we decide to do Tiger King, sweetheart? Well, because we watched it, because we just were a little speechless after several episodes. After every episode. Um, and also because we noticed that uh, everybody being home in during pandemic uh, 2020 is watching... Tiger King for some reason and I wanted I wanted to talk about maybe why not only are we going to talk about the show but why we're so interested in this yes I have some thoughts good 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 so bring those up okay midway through this okay. is how we're going to structure it okay let's hear we're I'm going to I'm going to say somebody's name. Okay. And you give me one word description. Oh, boy. Gosh. And then we're going to go through each person with a little more depth. I, one word, Todd? That's impossible. I, I get, know. You know me. I don't speak one word. Do your best. Okay. Joe Exotic. Sad. Carol Baskin. Well, I got to put a little... She feels empowered. I'm not saying she is empowered, but okay. she thinks she's empowered. Okay. So empowered, would that be your word? I guess, but I wanted to put that disclaimer at the beginning. Okay. I, I can't pronounce this one, but I'll do my best. Bhagavan? Yeah. Bhagavan Antler. It's a, I can't, it's his name's cut off. What is this? You know who I'm talking He's about. He's the guy. Right? He's the guy with the other zoo. I'll pull his, I'll pull his name up right now. Ant, Antley, A-N-T-L-E. Bhagavan Antl, whatever. You know this guy, the guy with the... Just the fact that he calls himself a Bhagavan. Yeah. Which he's a... Which he thinks he's like a guru yes. for all the people. Yes. Um, what's his word? Um, he's a... Oh, God, what would I say about him? Uh, he, he... Not a narcissist. What's the word I'm looking for? He believes himself to be his own rule maker. Mm. Like he's, he doesn't think things apply to him. Yes. He's, he's do, he knows what he's doing. But and narcissistic would not be a, an appropriate word because it's too, like I'm narcissistic, but don't put me in the same category well, as this guy. No, you're not narcissistic. Well, I have, we all have moments of narcissism. Sure. But a true narcissist. Yeah. And I don't know what that is. Yeah. That's a, it's like a clinical description, but anyway, he just, he does, he thinks he's, I feel I mean, like narcissism is too common of a word to describe. Describe this guy. Well, I mean, he he has many wives. Yeah. He thinks that's fine. He doesn't treat his employees well, or at least the, and we'll the get Netflix into that. you know show tells us that. There are he's again, allegedly, he is saying one thing and then he is killing tigers and the other I mean, he's like a complete what's the word? I don't know. That's why I asked you. He's contradictory. He's a just, just for the record, everything is allegedly to be safe <laughs> on this show because we don't know. We watch the show. That's all we did. We're right. viewers who are going to talk about right. a TV show So we show can we almost watch. talk about it almost like they're fictional characters just so we don't have to say allegedly yeah. every time. Okay. Um, Howard Baskin. You know, he's a trip. That's all I have to say about him, man. <laughs> okay. And he loves his wife. John Finley. Who is the shirtless one? You know, John was interesting to me. Um, I felt like I had met John before somewhere yeah. in a past life. Um, John was, 
John was lonely, which is why he married um, Joe in the first place. Because we, his name is Joe Exotic. Because we come to find out that John's like, no, I'm not gay. Yeah, and we'll we come talk to find that. out. Okay, I, it's so interesting. Rick Kirkham, who's the the documentarian right. at the beginning, oh who tend to be he was kind of the voice throughout the first five or six episodes. I almost want to be like you're oblivious, even though I know people, you know, when you're starting that documentary, you want to be like, he's the guy in control. He knows what's going on. Yeah. But I also think he was, um, careless. I also think his choice, um, a lot of his choices were really careless and he ended up losing all of his material. Yeah. Um, and that's a, do you want me to dive into why that happened? Okay. But he, um, so the next guy, um, oh, are we talking about the cinematographer, the documentarian? Yeah, okay. the guy who smokes the cigarette and drinks the coffee. With the black hat. <laughs> no, he's um, a trip, too. Could I just call them, every time you say any of their names, I'll say they're a trip? Yes, they're, they're a trip. They're all There's a, a trip. lot of trips here. <laughs> um, he that, that Rick guy mm-hmm. got into trouble. He used to be on Inside Edition. Right. And he got into trouble. There's a whole documentary made about him. Right. Because he got involved with drugs. And, and they all that. allude to his history a little bit. Yeah. But weirdly, he was the guy that was making the most sense. Initially, but that's he, what I mean. It, I don't remember <laughs> what episode it was, but where he kind of, you know, lost everything. You kind I don't know. It, there's many different, depending on which episode you're on, you see these people in different lights. Sweetie, what about Jeff Lowe? Well, Jeff Lowe seems to be the, it, it feels like at the end, the villain. Yes. Right? He, I would say conniving. That would be my word. Good word. Thank Great you. word. Um, a few others. Joshua Dial. He is the he campaign manager. Oh my God. He's a trip because, the, okay, we laughed about this. The reason he's a trip is because he looks normal. He talks normal, but he does abnormal things. Like, how can you think that being a campaign manager of Joe Exotic is a good idea? Well, this is how he starts explaining. He said, Joe came to me to be his campaign manager. At the time, I was working at Walmart selling guns and selling bullets. And when he said, be my campaign manager, I realized that was my like ultimate goal. That's yeah. what I wanted to do. And I'm like, wait, yeah. backtrack. Yeah. How, how did you know that? Why was that your ultimate goal? And to your point, Todd, like he, unfortunately, I think like a lot of not a lot, but some campaign managers do. He focused on the win rather than what he was doing. The process, yeah. The process. Because, you know, in the in the gubernatorial race, Joe Exotic came in third. He did. Which is a problem. Um, there's so many characters in this. <laughs> James Garrison, he is kind of the round-faced guy. Oh, my God. Who was the informant. Okay, I feel like he's a cartoon character. He is a cartoon character. And, and at the end, how about that whole little... That part where he's on the jet ski and they're playing Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, what is that? What's happening? And he's a villain too because... It's almost like the documentarians were were so used to seeing these people who are mm, abnormal... Well, that they started like why what what's with the jet ski and the eye of the tiger thing like I feel like they like like uh, how about we just put them on a jet ski and play the Rocky song how about I think instead of saying they got used to these people who are abnormal they got used to this world yes and they like I don't know much about I don't know if you looked up stuff about the people who made this movie no but I did not I don't know much about them except the fact that this movie was made only because they were originally doing a whole study of people who keep and sell snakes. Yeah. 
And then in that process, they realized people also keep and sell tigers. Yeah. So this was a total roundabout way yeah. into How the How did they story. arrive to get here? I mean, it's they, like the universe says, I got an idea. And I'm going to pull I'm going to put along. all these people together and somehow <laughs> connect them. God. And the fact that they have so much footage. I know. Like they have footage of everything. Well, and I, I was mentioning to you the other night that this is a Wondery podcast. Yeah. So for those of you who listen to podcasts, Wondery also did, um, you know, Dirty John, and I think Wondery did Dr. Death, mm. and a lot of like these major storytelling yeah. podcasts, and they did this. And yeah. I don't know how you and I missed it, because yeah. we're like podcast people. Mm. Um, but so they, you are, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, we've already heard a lot of these interviews and stuff. We know this story. But the fact that they have so much footage, but Todd, at the beginning, I think in the first one, Joe Exotic says... I told my staff to always keep the cameras running. They sure did. And they did all the time through good and bad, even when Cologne was put on his shoes. And we're going to talk about that all too. Right. Uh, Alan Glover. My, my word is scary. He was the hit man, the supposed hit man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Alan Glover with the tear under his eye. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, he was a pawn. He was a piece of the puzzle, and I don't think he understood his role. Yeah. That's my take. Um, what about Dylan Passage? See, I love, I have a little soft spot for Dylan. <laughs> I who do. who is Dylan? Dylan is Joe's current husband. Yeah, the younger kid. Right. And I think, if I remember correctly from the last episode we saw, when Joe realized, and again, who knows if this is done in the right order, but when Joe realized that he was going, going to stay in prison... He was on the phone with Dylan, and Dylan said something to the effect of, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Now, I don't know if that was taken out of context or if that's really the truth. I don't know where Dylan is now. But he was just like a young kid. Innocent and, and looking to connect for love. with anybody. Exactly. He needed, you know, a lot of these men. Are, are you going to talk about the other guy, Travis? Yeah, he's he's on here. So Joe's other, So at some point, Joe was trying to emulate his, um, who he considered his mentor, the the. I keep wanting to call him the Bhagwan, but that's not his name. What's his name so we can call him? Well, it's just his last name is Antel. Okay, Antel. He wants to, his mentor, he wants to be like him. And because Antel had many wives and Joe's gay, he wanted to have several husbands. Yeah. So at one point he is married to Travis and to Joe. And I don't think Joe wanted that, Todd. I don't think so either. I think Joe was kind of like, okay. okay. Yeah. He or no, would. John. John didn't want it. Uh, let me Joe look. wanted it. John yeah, didn't John want didn't it. Yeah, John didn't want it. I said that wrong. So Joe was like, I'm going to marry John both is of you. tattoo guy. John shirtless is tattoo shirtless guy. tattoo guy. And he's like, I don't, he was kind of like, eh. Okay. But we come to find out that both John and Travis were, and again, sexuality, they could have been bisexual. They could have been pansexual. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. They, it looks as if they fell in love with Joe. Yeah. Um, and if that be because they were searching for a family or if it be, who knows? Um, John Ranke is the guy that had no legs below his knees. Interesting character. And at the end- Seemed like one of the more solid guys in the whole thing. I thought so. He and the other guy with the long hair who looked like he was in a hair band. Yeah, that's Eric Cowie. They cared about that zoo. They did. Mm -hmm. And they probably got paid and they did. They showed up for work and they did their thing. Sweetie, 100 bucks a week. <laughs> um, and what are the odds of John not having legs in a tiger documentary and him losing them to a zip lining accident? I mean, you can't. <laughs> you can't write You that. literally can't write this. And you know who our favorite was after the first two episodes was Saf. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Remember Kelsey Saf? Safry. That's the woman who got her arm bit off. Bit off. We kept being like, she's a badass, man. Like she she's... seems the most normal out of the whole bunch. After the tiger bit her arm, 
and she was in the hospital. That day, they said to her, you can keep your hand in the mm. lower part of your arm if you're willing to go through all the physical therapy and you'll be in the hospital for a while, or we can cut it off. Yeah, like, And yeah. she said, cut it she, off. She's like, I got two of them. No problem. What's one less? And she wanted to go back because she had in her head Joe telling her that these are the kind of things that are going to shut us down. Yes. And so she wanted to prove a point. Oh, Saf. Oh, Saf. Um, okay, so we're going to start with the star of this series, which is obviously Joe Exotic. Okay. And here is just a few, just one little 20-second clip from him. Is it him singing? <laughs> I have my first two albums that I did. This is my first album, I Saw Tiger, and this is my second album, Starstruck. I saw Tiger, now I understand. I saw Tiger. I've been. What are the odds of that being his voice? Well, I think it is. No, it's not. I'm sure he auto-tuned it. Oh, it isn't? According to this source, whatever, where it was, it found, he was pretty much a um, karaoke guy. Like, he just lip-synced. But who sang it then? I don't know. Maybe he auto-tuned himself. I think somebody else. What are the odds of him having that voice? Why did he leave out the letter A? What do you mean? Why does he say, I saw tiger? Why doesn't he say, I saw a tiger? I saw a tiger. He just said the same thing twice. He said, I saw tiger. No, no. I saw a tiger. I don't hear him say, uh. Let's go back to the replay. Go back even further. Yeah, there's an ad. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, there is. And then tiger saw man. There's no a man. Tiger saw a man. Yeah, Tiger saw a man. Oh. It depends on how you're listening. As I was listening to it, I thought he left out the letter A and it drove me crazy. Yeah. I'm like, why are you saying I saw Tiger? Um, so sounds like a five year old. Yeah, the the videos are outstanding. They're they're incredibly um I it would like take Todd and I out of a trance. We'd be watching and we'd go, what's happening? How is there a video for everything that's happening right now? Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about the polygamy that is mm-hmm. evidenced in this, which I think is, and we're not going to go down the cult route quite yet. Okay. But yeah, Joe wanted to be like Aunt Antle, whatever uh-huh. they got. Blondie. Uh-huh. Blondie. Right. Well, there's a lot of blondies. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, the guy who has the place in the others. The guy who rides elephants in his neighborhood. <laughs> My God, you could take any of these people and make a seven-part documentary about them. One of the many reasons we watch it. Um, so, yeah, we don't think that the one, the first husband was... Uh, he wasn't totally gay. He was probably somewhere. Well, that statement wasn't totally gay. That doesn't exist what, anymore. What because am I trying to now say? We have the pen, now we have the understanding that there is a spectrum, and he yeah. may have fallen in love with Joe. Right. But what we come to find out, or at least what people start saying in the show, right. is he didn't believe himself to be gay until he met Joe, and it sounds like he was hooking up with the receptionist and that he got her pregnant. So, But again... I don't think it's not about it's not about saying anything negative about his sexuality. We just think that there may have been some other things going on there. He made, you know, this is the thing. I, I'm like, I get all worked up when I talk about these things. I think all of these people just wanted family. Yes. And so, regardless of how we define this love, is if it be sexual in nature or if it defines who they are, yeah. it it doesn't matter. They wanted family, like. 
One of the most important things about this show, as far as understanding Joe Exotic, is what he used to do is he would go to places like a bus station and find people who were transient, who had just gotten out of prison, or who were homeless, and say to them, do you want a home? Find people who didn't have something for themselves and offer them security, safety, You got a job, other people. And that's how a lot of people got brought into his zoo. Whereas like when you look, and I know we're going to go through Carol Baskin, but when you look at Carol Baskin, a lot of people who went and volunteered for her they were looking, you know, Big Cat Rescue came up as number one if ever you're looking to work with tigers, yeah. you know, in a Google search. So they volunteered their time because they felt like this is a place I can give back. And again, I don't know why people, you know, we can't get into the head of why everybody there volunteers, but very different than offering somebody a family. Right. And that kind of love and connection if right. you've never had it. Right. So that zoo was not just about the tigers. So I'm going to play 10 seconds from John Finley, which was his first husband. His first love, yeah. Travis was not gay, okay? Travis was banging every girl in the park. You know, leave me for a man and we're, we're game on, okay? But leave me for a woman, I can't compete with that. <laughs> that was about Travis. It was about... Uh, Oh, Travis. Yeah, that was about the, the younger the kid. The younger got kid. Got it, got it. But same thing. Yeah, same idea. Is that some of the guys were like, I don't know if this is these guys. And and Joe is saying, you leave me for a woman, I can't do much about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, real quick about the woman who lost her arm. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, before you hear it on the news, I'm going to tell you myself, about an hour ago, we had an incident where one of the employees stuck their arm through the cage and a tiger tore her arm off. Okay, pause it hold first. Hold on, hold on. I can give you your money back or I can give you a rain check. How is that the first thing that you say after that? Like, how you can't make that up. Well, and that's why I was going to have you pause is like, you and I, during that scene, I mean, okay, Saf's got her arm torn off. They're dealing with that. And his first thing he has to do is run into the gift shop mm -hmm. and like figure out how to give people discounts. Yes. Now, I understand you have to deal with the people who are there when there's a you know, a crisis occurring. I just don't know. I don't know what the appropriate thing <laughs> is to say in that moment, but I'm sure a rain check is not the next thing that just you come back tomorrow when no arms will be torn off. Do you think there's any social workers on the, on the compound to be able to help these people through the trauma of okay. a coworker finding, uh, their arm just got mangled off. This is like another very serious point about this show. You know how Todd and I were saying, just saying two seconds ago, as if it was a long time ago, that all these people were coming in for family. This also means that they're not trained in any way mm -hmm. as far as taking care of wildlife, as far as tigers overall, um, as far as understanding, you know, nutrition, caregiving. Um, and so everybody running this zoo Maybe they're learning on the fly. And like I said, two of the guys that worked there, you kind of have a, you're like, okay, they're doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah. But no, they don't, they don't know. Right. I mean, they barely, they're just trying to survive. Right. So to answer your question, do they have a social worker there? No, they yeah. also don't have a vet and they, or that they don't I'm have a lot of. of things over there. Um. So real quick about the woman who lost her arm. Okay. <laughs> How did this not happen every day? I, this is These shocking lions to me. And tigers are and built, and oh my, uh huh, are built to eat meat, I something know. that will sustain them. I know. And the Walmart meat. 
the wall, the old Walmart meat, the old Walmart meat that the employees would also get their dinner out of. Yes, because they end up cooking pizza that one day. Like, oh, well, we'll just use the old Walmart meat to oh. throw on the pizza. Um, lions are designed to eat meat. I know, and I just I'm shocked that this. That this this is the only example of somebody getting hurt, other than Joe getting pulled away by his foot because they thought that there was cologne. Somebody put cologne, <laughs> and then he takes that stick. I know, and just and how is that? Mo- and he shot in the air. How is that? Yeah, I thought he shot him Me too. at the time. How is that animal not going to finish off Joe Exotic in that moment when he's getting hit with that stick? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Well, I guess you would have to under, you would you have to accept the fact that these animals are tamed to live in this environment. Yeah. And this is this is something that they didn't show and that I made an assumption and could be wrong. They'd probably been hit before and stuff, right? Probably. I mean, I I'm I it's don't know It's not the first time that. they got struck with something. There's no doubt. They're, but they have they would have had to have had some kind of way, um, just kind of like the way circuses do and everything. You have to have some kind of way. And I feel like if you run into a tiger in their natural habitat, I feel like if you, you know, try and put your arm out, of course they're going to bite it. But if you are raised in this kind of habitat, maybe 98% of the time you won't. Because the way that these people but, cuddled up to these tigers. But here's the thing. Like we would talk about like we all, a lot of us own dogs, like right. in dogs and babies. Like, you know, you always want to yeah. be careful. And I know that there's plenty of parents out there that have a dog that's so gentle with their infant and all that. Right. But I remember saying and hearing a bunch of other people say, it's still a dog. Right. Like, don't forget that this is a dog and it's not a human being that has a fully developed prefrontal cortex. It's not going to take a chomp out of a finger mistaking it for a hot dog. Right. I just don't know how this didn't happen more often. You know what? It's a good question. And I'm sure it did. Not to the point of maybe where an arm was severed, but I'm sure these guys have some battle wounds with these animals. Two last things about Joe Exotic, and okay. then we're going to move on. How, how is it possible to only have two last well, things? Well, we're going to talk about him throughout. But okay. uh, the fact that he ran for president and governor was hilarious. I know. That was the that was where he turned away from the animals. Um, I did some research, and for president, he... Uh, there's 118 million votes cast okay. in the 19 in the, the 2016 election. Okay, um, and he got 963 votes. Well, it's close to a thousand for Oklahoma. He got 664 votes. Now I don't know how many people voted in that election. Right. So from a percentage standpoint, it's much higher. But he didn't. He he seemed to campaign a lot. Well, not and, getting much traction. And he was campaigning to sell the zoo. He also was passing out condoms with his name and picture while campaigning. I know. He was using money from the zoo, too. Oh, yeah. We found that out the hard way. It's just a, it's just, Joe is a fascinating uh, case study of human beings. Well, he's like kind of a reality TV star running for president. Yes. I've never heard of such a thing. Jeff Lowe. Do you want to say anything about Jeff Lowe? Well, we're going to hear more about Jeff Lowe. I've been reading kind of follow-up articles, which are hard to miss right now in the entertainment world. And Jeff Lowe, I guess they're still doing a lot of investigation of him. Um, He has somewhat of a sordid past, and it sounds like he made a lot of deals and that they were still investigating some of his choices. It looks like he opened the zoo in a different place. Mm -hmm. Um, he and his wife, Lauren, their new baby and his hot nanny. Because you oh can't have gosh. a nanny unless That was at the end hot. of this last episode. Yeah, there's a lot of misogyny in this show. Um, not that... I, Shocking. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I was talking with my friend Jessica this morning about this show, and it was interesting the way that they portrayed Carol 
in comparison to the men. Like they were all super, um, I'm trying to think, oh, I know what word Jessica used. She was like, they were all super eccentric, Mm -hmm. but the way that they handled Carol's eccentricities, it was, you know, like there was kind of this like, is in a way, this coolness about these guys with their lifestyle and their guns. How it was shot and cut and edited. A little bit. Like, you know, these things are really subtle. And unless you're looking for, I mean, and also- I read an article this morning where they interviewed Carol because she's really upset about the way this this thing went down. Yeah, because she's like- Was it the first husband thing? She thought this documentary was about big cat rescue and how to make sure cats are treated appropriately in her sanctuary. And it ended up being kind of a salacious- um, you know, overview of this whole world of big cat purchase and, you know, trading and... So we're going to get to Carol in a second. Okay. I want to I do 10 seconds or no, maybe 30 seconds with Doc Blondie Antel. Okay. All right. Dr. Antel, he has four or five wives. I don't fucking care. We have people that have joined our apprentice program over the decades. These are apprentices that come on generally as teenagers, live on the preserve, many of whom have stayed on for decades themselves. That's what we call them. Which means what? Lord. It means Lord. Bhagavan means Lord. Yeah. He lived in these terrible horse stalls, basically, like with sliding doors with bars on them. It's full of cockroaches. People do have lives, and they do have families outside of creating... You're leading me down a road where people are just going to say, you have to join a fucking cult to be a tiger trainer. There you go. So first of all, we were saying his name wrong. Antle. Antle. And they call him the Bhagwan, which is means Lord. Yeah. Which is and he but he's saying it's not a cult. Well <laughs> I mean, talk about both sides of your mouth. Um the woman who is on the chair right. from Iowa. Right. She seemed like a completely normal person, yet she spent all this time. Well, you keep using the word normal, which I'm gonna question you about. And I'm not saying she's I'm saying what is normal speaking, mean? Compared to these other people. <laughs> um, she used to work for him. Yeah. And, and she, she got showed out. up there when she was 18 or yeah. 17. And he, the way that that Antel talks about this, he's like, it's just this really normal process. We yeah. just pick up 17, 18-year-old hot girls. And I think she was forced to get a, uh, breast implants mm-hmm. because he wants them to look a certain way. Yeah. And also, if you're going to rise through the ranks... Um, it's best if you sleep with them, but it's not a cult. No. <laughs> so um, so that's Doc Antle. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay. Um, all the, And all these things are going to kind of intertwine. Okay. At least we, we can't be done with him. No. Okay. No, we can't. Carol Baskin. Right. Oh, Carol Baskin. So, I just say that all the time now. Quick, quick clip from Carol, or actually maybe this is her husband. That's great, thank you. Seeing you in springtime, <laughs> I never could go. You are something else. <laughs> My number one goal in life is going to be to make this woman happy. And and there's a picture of them on their wedding day. She's wearing her dress, and he's in this kind of caveman leopard skin thing, and he's got a thing around his neck, and she's like, it's a leash, and she's holding right. a leash. right. What's going on with these people? <laughs> what is happening? They love cats. They do. They dress up like cats. They do. To demonstrate their love for cats. A lot of cat love. And they had a cat wedding. 
a lot of cats. And they in have that cat way. clothes. A lot of clothes. Carol has a lot of cat clothes. Yes. She only wears cat clothes. So when I you thought, know what else she does? What? She wears a lot of flowers in her hair. She does. So here's the thing about Carol. When okay. I think of Carol, I think of this one thing. How did she ever fall asleep at night with Joe Exotic? I don't know. And all these people that have explicitly said that they want her dead. Like I sometimes, if I had an argument with a coworker, I would be, I would, it would be hard for me to fall asleep if I'm like, feel like there's a disconnection from somebody to fear for my physical safety. I've never gone to bed in fear of my physical safety ever. I don't think. Well, and again, here's one of these other things that are really unsettling as a woman um, is that her, the fact that they would like on the, the reality show that Joe was doing, he would pretend to shoot her with a real gun and that all of, of so many of these men, not just Joe Exotic, would say that bitch deserves to be dead. Yeah. I'm going to kill that bitch. And that's, that is terrifying. Totally. And it's why this show made me wince and turn away a lot is because I felt uncomfortable with the way I felt while watching it is you would be laughing one minute at a video and then they'd bring you back and Joe would shoot a mannequin in the head and say that that fucking bitch is mm-hmm. Carol. And I would be like, ah, like what what's happening here? Like it 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 took me to all of these like really uncomfortable places and I would sit and watch for the humor and then you and I would finish the show and feel kind of dirty. Yeah. As if we like went kind of into the deep depths to get a few like humorous pieces out of this yuckiness. I felt dirty before, during, and after the show. Yeah. And it's really not... Why before? Everything, even thinking about it. <laughs> like even right now I feel dirty. <laughs> like I just, and it's very not typical of what you and I typically no, watch. it's not. But it, there's a part of our whatever brain or psychology that, you know, it's like a car crash. It You're is. attracted to it. So I... I don't know. I don't know what to say. And I will also say that we kind of just touched on this and we'll bring it back in, but I am very interested, sociologically interested, I don't mean personally interested, in cults. And I have been a big um, watcher and reader of anything regarding Scientology for 10, 20 years. Um, the Todd is a big, like Todd asks everybody, have you read under the banner of heaven? Like the whole idea of, you know, that kind of cult, um, like wild, wild country. If any of you saw that, um, going clear, uh, which is Scientology, um, the Bikram documentary. I mean, I watch these things or listen to them podcast wise. So the cult phenomenon I think is a thread that runs through this show. It's just, it's so, there's, to your point, there's so much footage. There is in Scientology and Leah Remini's show too, where it's very unsettling, but you feel like you're on the right side of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know if there is a right side. Yeah. The Leah Remini thing, there's a good, there's good guys and bad guys. It feels like there is the way that it's. The way I choose to interpret what's up there. This it's a bunch of, you know, when I was in English class as a freshman, you're like, you have a protagonist and you have an antagonist. Good point. These are all antagonists. I know. I know. Like, I didn't mo- even like the FBI lady that much. I and she was the one who was serving I think she was justice. the prosecutor, the oh. federal prosecutor. Yeah. There's no good guy in this movie, in this documentary. It was hard to root for people. Yes. Yeah? Yes. And so we're, we're left kind of like grasping at air. Like, how do I feel? 
when this is like the first episode was kind of like a like okay interesting two of our girls bailed after that they're like i don't think it's that great another one of our daughters watched the second episode with us and we were like okay that was pretty interesting mm-hmm. there was a little more still i felt a little like i needed a shower but a yeah. little better and then as it went on it kind of got sad and sick totally where I was just like, what's happening? Like if they would have started that, started with that sad and sickness, I probably wouldn't have continued. Continued. So maybe that was all by design. Yeah, it's kind of like reading a book and feeling like you have to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I, and I think everybody feels that way, which is why we feel compelled to talk about it so much. Right. Because um, I think we're confused by our feelings. A little bit more from Carol. Okay. Our mission is to ban the private possession of these magnificent animals. She wanted to shut down a zoo, and he wanted her gone. You're an animal rights person, and you try and come into this facility, this is what you're going to be greeted with. So now they're just shooting guns in it's water. It's birthday next month, and we're shipping her two of these. <laughs> Look at the fangs on that. One day I went out to open up the mailbox, and it just exploded with snakes. How can, I, I don't know how she functioned. I don't either. This is kind of I why. I'm terrified. You know, when you said her name to me and I said empowered, mm-hmm. um, I didn't mean it like she's my hero or that she is the protagonist as if you, as, as you said, but she sure could, she sure had a backbone. She did, damn right she did. But then there's the whole story of her second husband or her first husband. Yeah. Um, Don. Do you think she did it? That always cracked me up that his name was something Don. Don. Um, I I don't think so. I think, I don't know. I mean, like. The evidence that they presented to us in the documentary sure seems like she did, but that's one perspective. But it's the way they presented it. This is how they structured it. Here's what happened. There were, we didn't, we don't know. And then you have all these guys like Joe Exotic and the Antel guy and, Mm. and all these other guys who probably are getting all their information from Joe saying, I heard this, I heard this. So if you're hearing, it's a bunch of men, Mm. right? Saying she fed her husband to tigers. And when I'm saying a bunch of men, I'm not trying to say that women, because maybe Saf or other women felt the same way. It's just that it, again, it felt like a, um, it was their perspective, possibly based on no evidence except their storytelling. And so the way the documentary takes it is you just take that as truth. Where if you were really to look through, like I read an article this morning about Carol and you look through the facts of the case, there's a possibility that the only weird thing was the van parked at the airport. Right. Or maybe that wasn't the only weird thing. I don't think there's a whole bunch of really positive clean police work going on with any of these things. Um, Yeah. I don't know what happened with Carol. Last thing about Carol. Yeah. How is she different than what the other two guys are doing? Okay. So based on what I watched, the difference is she's not breeding or selling these animals. She considers the sanctuary to be more of a retirement home for these animals who have been- But doesn't she have a bunch of cubs there? I don't think so. Oh, I I, I don't know. I've, no. It seemed like it was all the same. The but. Cubs were an Antle, Joe Exotic, and whoever else has animals thing. And they did that to make money yeah. because that's how they brought in people to, they wanted to pet them and hold sure. them. But she, 
supposedly what they tell us did not. And one of the things they said is there's this scene where she's videotaping this long line of people who are coming into the sanctuary. And she says that's a one time a year event where she, there's a name for it, where she allows people to come see these animals in retirement. So some people come and get tours or the volunteers help with the, um, the animals, but I don't think it's not a zoo. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. She doesn't have these animals to gawk at. Yeah. She is trying to give them a place to be because they've been raised domestically or however you want to say it. There's more tigers. What was the statistic? More tigers in captivity than out in the wild. That's nuts. That's nuts. And I guess if they're raised in captivity, you can't put them in the wild? Is that what we're assuming? Yeah, I don't think that they would survive. They couldn't, right. Okay. So anyways, I don't know. So in answer to your question about her husband or the difference, this is what I've come to understand. Mm -hmm. But do I think that she benefits? Like, why do I think, do I think that all of her intention and everything she's doing is on the up and up? Yeah. It doesn't feel like it, but what do I, I don't know. Yeah. I think she thought going into this documentary, though, it was about her good work. Last guy, and then we could just have an open-ended discussion. This is uh, the campaign manager, Joshua Dial. I was Joe's campaign manager for about a year and a half. Uh, It was was the worst experience of my life. It was horrible, (laughs) horrible, horrible. horrible. Just that statement. Like, why? You couldn't go back to Walmart? I know. There's something attractive to these people. Something attracts them to this Chaos. Family and connection. Purpose. Belonging. I wonder if Joshua, the campaign manager, has a family somewhere. I don't know. And this is why, and this like... this poor guy witnessed somebody shooting themselves in the head. Oh, God, that scene. That was the worst. That was... And you know what? We were so grateful because our daughter, who's 12, had been watching kind of on and off, and she chose to nod after a while. And then that scene happened, and we were like, oh, my God. It's, it's traumatic so just to view... Somebody else viewing that act. So Travis, who was Joe's second husband, young kid, like 19 initially when they met, sounds like he was a meth addict. He definitely had, um, in, in something, again, according to the documentary, it sounds like Joe told him, I will continue to buy you what you need, if it be drugs or an AV or a Jeep or a truck or whatever. And so Travis was getting these like kind of surface level needs met, but he was really loved his guns and he often threatened people with his guns and he struggled obviously emotionally himself that it goes without saying. And he just shot himself Mm -hmm. while they were taping. Now you don't see him. You see the reaction of what's Joe Dial? Josh, Josh Baskin. I keep I want to say Josh Baskin because that's him from Ben. And I'm calling everyone Joe. <laughs> Everybody's Joe. I'm like, everyone's uh, Joe. His name is... Something Dial. Joshua Dial? Joshua Dial. Yeah. So anyway, you see this scene that Joshua sets up for you through narration where he's talking to Travis and Travis was messing around with, with a gun and then just shot himself in the head. And you see... And I, it was really interesting the mm-hmm. way that Joshua talks about it because... He puts his hands to his head and he starts yelling at him, kind of like you you can't hear it. You just see his mouth moving. And he's like, it doesn't happen the way it does in movies. You don't think it's real. Yeah. You, it can't well, be. Well, and I'm guessing the graphic nature Correct. of it. You know, in the movies, the guy falls over and falls asleep. I know. I'm sure it's a lot different than that. I know. And it was, it was brutal. And 
that was, you know, say whatever you want about Joe. Joe at least believed he loved Travis Mm -hmm. or thought he was taking care of Travis. There could have been a little more of a father-son thing going on in that marriage, you know. Um, And he was appeared to be pretty devastated and broken by it. I feel like a lot changed after that. Yeah. Well, he had a bunch of you know, bottoming out and now he's in jail. So I'm sure he's at a new bottom, but. Oh, that phone call when he's like, I got to get out of here. Oh my God. That just gave me a pit in my stomach. I don't care who you are, even if you've made poor choices in your life that sometimes these, like, I don't wish that kind of pain on anybody. I just. So we have about 15 minutes left. Okay. If we want, is there anything specific that you would like to cover? Well, I don't know. I guess it's just. I, I feel like I've said the, the the biggest things, just that for me, as I was, you know, my experience with watching a show like this, I think sometimes, especially right now during the pandemic, we're kind of looking for people who have it more difficult. Right. Um, I used to say all the time that when um, when I historically have been struggling or I'm having a hard time, I would watch a lot of Law & Order mm-hmm. because I felt like, you know, the people going to Rikers were having a harder time than I was. Right. Um, and I think this kind of feels that way that right now, because we're in such uncertain and challenging times, it's, it, there's something that it's a relief Mm -hmm. that we don't have to go through what these people are going through. Um, it might give us comic relief at some points, but also uh, like not like the kind of like, we feel sorry for them or we're glad we're not them. I don't know. I I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm still wrapping my head around my experience of watching it. Sure. And I think so that... So am I. And there, supposedly there's going to be... Second season. A second season. Yeah, but apparently that... that I feel like they rushed the end. It, it was weird. Like, I don't... I, I don't have any suggestions on how to make it better, but the last episode's like, it was just ended with a thud. And I think of, like, Making of a Murder, which I thought was the most impressive documentary I've ever seen. Yeah. And that ended in an interesting way as well. And they brought it back for a second season, but very few people, I think, watched the second season. Mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to see how many of us are invested into I'm trying to even remember. We watched it last night, but what's the thud? Remind me. Obviously, we have the... the goes to jail. Goes to jail. Joe um, got into... Uh, no, Joe. Um, Jeff. Jeff got in a new partnership with that other with that other keeper of exotic cats and they started making the new zoo closer to the casino in Texas. But then that guy bails. And then that guy monkey bails. Guy. Yeah, monkey guy. The guy's always got, got the monkey. monkey in his shirt. <laughs> we all have monkeys in our shirt, don't we? Oh. Um, and can, stop right there. This is something I want to look at. These people, the love that they want from these animals. Mm-hmm. Like they they kind of they make a point. I feel like in a month maybe I could do a better job talking through yeah. the psychological sociological elements of this show. I haven't integrated it yet. But they make a point of saying how you feel when you're with a tiger. Yeah. You feel more powerful. The reason people want pictures with tigers is cuz they feel more powerful. They were saying that like there's a significant number of people on social networking, especially in spaces like Tinder and Grinder, that people pose with tigers. Mm. That's their picture. So what is that telling us about why people are doing that? They're trying to find their own sense of power well, and, through these animals. Yeah, they don't have it for themselves. Correct. So they get it through some other, some wild cat. And if you are best friends with a lion, you feel better about who you are. If you have a monkey- So if I gave you a lion right now- Uh-huh. Don't. I don't want one. Would you feel- 
I mean, in that moment, I think it'd be kind of cool, but I wouldn't spend a dollar to get it. I wouldn't go to a zoo to get it. Well, and that's because we have a different, healthier ways of coping. Yeah. But if you have been, this goes back to the elements of, you know, this goes back to some Zen parenting things about where, what are, like, what's more information about these people's upbringing? Well, that's what my last question to you were going to be. How many of these people that we've been talking about for the last 44 minutes had a mom and dad who loved them? Well, interestingly enough, Joe had a mom who Joe basically got her involved in his oh, yeah. zoo and like turned over money to her to hide it from Carol. Yeah. And then his mother got sued yeah. and they were mad at Carol for doing that. But I wonder about Joe's dad. I don't know anything about Joe's dad, even though he was in that picture with her. Remember with the mom, she's doing the Maybe. interview. And then Travis's mom is a big part of this. Mm -hmm. And she, it's heartbreaking because at some point she shows a picture of Travis when he's like 17 or 18. He's just adorable, just a beautiful kid. And then she's like, Travis loved Joe, or she, I thought Travis loved Joe, so I wanted what was best for him, how which about, is beautiful. How about him singing at the funeral? Oh, my God. I can't. That whole scene, that whole scene of the funeral, Travis's funeral, where Joe gives like the if you want to call it a eulogy, yeah. it sounded a little more like a marketing strategy right. and then sings a song and the people like, including Travis's mom kind of are like clapping along. And then they're like, what are we doing? Yeah. It's like a talk. That's an uncomfortable scene. Yeah. Like what's happening? Todd, do you want to know how many times I've said what's happening on this? this we show? said that for the last six nights watching this show. <laughs> what's happening? I think there's a lot of F-bombs in this, but... Travis Michael Maldonado. And we spent the last four years of our lives together because you've seen his balls. Oh, this is the story where he talks about. They were like golden nuggets. This testing. Yeah. <laughs> what? This old town. Now they're trying to clap along. Like, what do we do? Yeah, like, uh, I, you could teach a college class on this scene. I know, I know. Like, what is happening here? I know. There's, like, men on the side who, like, are crying. There's a lot of women in the front row who don't know how to respond to what's happening. There are, it's like the emotional range of the people in this scene include, like, and Joe exotic doesn't know how to do anything but be the center of attention yeah, right. it's the only thing he knows how to do yeah and so when he is confronted with something like this that is emotional even though he was a pretty good crier he mm -hmm. could release yeah. his emotions but he all he knows how to do is i'm going to entertain you yeah. again it's reality show stuff i know i'm going to entertain people you. people living from the outside in it is and he and even Joe's story, just for those of you who have seen it or plan to, Joe's story is that he felt unloved and unworthy because he knew he was gay mm -hmm. at an early age, and he tried to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. This is why he has the um, the crutch yeah. on his left side, because he messed up his whole body. Yeah. And he eventually, I love the part that he came to some self-acceptance, um, you know, he, but for what price? Because... Or how did he do it? Because it doesn't seem like it was the healthiest path 
because it's like he traded one thing for narcissism, like self-loathing for narcissism. And um, again, give me a month, Todd. I might do a whole thesis on this. <laughs> I, know. It's just I mean, I just, I, I'm... Well, and part of me wants to say, choose a number between one and seven and between the seven episodes, and then give me a number between one and 44 at what minute in whatever episode. And we could play that and we could have a half hour discussion about what's happening. About that minute. In that moment. Exactly. Like, it doesn't it's, matter. It's too much for my brain. Yeah. Like, I feel, yeah, I can't get my arms around it. It was any of too this. much for my emotions. And I, I feel like a lot of times when you and I watch a show, I can be annoy- annoying because I'll say, pause. And not necessarily to ask questions about what ha- what's happening, but I have to like have an emotional response to what's happening. And I could not tell you to pause enough in yeah. the show. I don't even think I did tell you to pause because I just kept no. saying, "What? What? What?" And and then they'd go to the next thing. I know. And it's like, pause. Give me five minutes to get my stuff together. I know. Until you hit me over the head with the next thing that's going to show up in this documentary. Exactly. And I don't, I felt, I think I've said this a lot, but I felt uncomfortable laughing at these people because they are not much different than us in what they need. They need love. They they need belonging. They just go about it in different ways. Exactly. Everybody has different tools and different options. If I was transient and I was at a bus station and somebody said, I will give you a place to live and give you a job, I'd go too. And if that was my only place then I would do all I can to keep it working. So we can point our fingers at these people and say, that's why I was questioning your use of the word normal, Mm. because you know what? They're more normal than we would realize because they're as human as we are. We just look at them and say, how did it get, how'd you get here? And that's the story. Like what brought you here? And that's why some of these outside characters, this James guy or Joshua, it's like, why did you choose to come into this mix? Because you had other options. Um, But greed plays a big role. Power plays a big role. Um, And, you know, and look at where they ended up. Like there's a point at the beginning or at the end of the documentary where they say, you know, a lot of these people went into this work for the right reasons. Even Joe, Joe Exotic loved the Tigers and he went into the work for the right reasons and he got lost. And that's, that could be behind the music or E! True Hollywood Story. Yeah. I mean, I grew up on these things. Right. You get lost in the greed and you get lost in the power and you bring a lot of hardship on yourself. So a few things. I have the end credits rolling right now. All right. It says the Big Cat Safety Act has not passed. I don't even remember what that That's one was. That's Carol's uh, act that she was bringing to Congress. Doc Antle's Myrtle Beach Safari was raided by the authorities in December of 19th. That's four months ago. So this yeah. is all like brand new. Antle has not responded to allegations of cub euthanasia. Because what they said he was doing is he would bring the cubs for the the money-making experiences, and then he would kill them, and he would burn them. And he had a crematorium, um, so he was being charged with that. Yeah. um, There's more scrolling up, but yeah, that doc... um, I don't know which one is more dysfunctional than the other. Like, I feel like that doc guy might, could be as bad as Joe. I know. And Joe's well, in jail, though. I know. Well, and he, Joe got, <laughs> so hard to talk about, because he brought a lot on himself, um, most of it on himself, but he also got ganged, he, he was ganged up on. Yeah. Like, some people came together. Oh, yeah. save them, save their own hide. Exactly. Yeah. And they said, you're going to take the fall for all this. And even the guys who had some kind of care for Joe, like the zookeepers, they had to go testify against him. 
You know what's messed up is we spent 51 minutes talking about this, and we didn't even talk about Alan Glover, who is the guy who was the hitman. Like, he's a case study to you, himself. You brought him up. I know. I brought him up. But, like, I don't even know what to think about that guy. He looked like he should be in a show like Fargo. Like, do you remember in Fargo, you know, Steve Buscemi's, yeah, yeah. Ex, you know, guy? Yeah, yeah his, his he, partner. Yeah, it was like it was him. It, it's it's kind of like his goals are survive. Mm-hmm get some money, mm-hmm. have something to do with myself, you know, have something to do for myself every day. And that's all he needs. And he seemed to have not a lot of concern yeah. about others, maybe not the deepest well of empathy. Um, and he was he part of a trap for Joe or was he willing to kill Carol? We'll never know. Um, this is the part of Fargo when I thought of uh, Buscemi and his like partner. Yeah. All right. So this is the Minneapolis. <laughs> Nope. Would it kill you to say something? <laughs> I did. No. It's the first thing you've said in the last four hours. That's a... That's a fountain of conversation, man. <laughs> that's a geyser. It's a geyser. The two could play that game, smart guy. <laughs> I don't need to talk either. Oh, my God. Total yeah, silence. That was total Alan Glover. Like, yeah. this this crew of, if I'm putting this in air quotes, friends. Yeah. Were this like, gang. This gang of friends were, they, they had a lot of criminal activity between them. Yeah. So oh I think, you know, you start, your first question to me was how I would describe Joe, what mm. word. And, mm. and I stick with sad. Like, even after this discussion, I think his, what he, his mm. life experience, um, it didn't have to be sad. Yeah. But he unfortunately was in a situation wherever he grew up that he learned self-hatred right up the, the gate. Yeah. And he didn't, you know, his, and then hurt himself and then tried to come back and had an opportunity, but he couldn't, there were too many pieces that weren't connected to, for him, yeah. either neurobiologically or he couldn't figure out what was most important. And it ends very sadly for him. Hopefully the next pop culture we do will be a little bit more uplifting but we couldn't not talk about this I, we couldn't not talk about it and if you watch it you know just take your shower afterwards <laughs> scrub <laughs> scrub up. get clean alright guys uh, see you next time on <laughs> pop culturing yep. thanks for listening everyone remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave us a 5 star review on iTunes it helps people find us Also subscribe to our Zen Parenting Radio podcast, where we discuss self-awareness and mindfulness, sharing the latest research and pop culture. We're on our ninth year, but there's still always something new to discuss. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. Zen Parity Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. 
and guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.